from what I've heard, from what I've seen, it seemed like a really strong selection. MLB.com even had him ranked sixth overall on their rankings. Welcome to the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast, a podcast covering your favorite crew featuring Peter and David Goh. Today's podcast is sponsored by Anchor. Anchor is a free and easy to use provider for all of your podcast needs. There are tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your computer or mobile device, and Anchor will distribute your podcast to all of your favorite podcast platforms. You can also make money with no minimum listenership, and overall, we've been very satisfied with Anchor for these reasons. So if you're interested in creating your own podcast, be sure to check out Anchor for all of your podcast needs at anchor.fm, that's A-N-C-H-O-R.fm, or by downloading the app on your favorite app store. Again, that's anchor.fm or the Anchor app, A-N-C-H-O-R. Be sure to check out our blog, bleedingblueandyellow.wordpress.com. On our blog, we have a number of articles previewing the season, both league-wide and a more focused piece on your Milwaukee Brewers. More analysis will be coming soon as well. We will analyze the roles of certain players for the upcoming season. I'll likely have one up probably in the next week or so about Corbin Burns, one of the more intriguing arms that the Brewers have for 2020. So make sure you check that out again. That's bleedingblueandyellow.wordpress.com. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast. Today on episode two, we're going to be covering some of the top picks of the MLB draft, as well as the Brewers' five toolsy players that they added to their farm system. So it's definitely a unique draft this year with obviously only five rounds, but we're excited to get into it. Let's just do it. So we're going to start off with round number one. The Brewers had the 20th pick where they took center fielder from UCLA, Garrett Mitchell. Um... Mitchell was a junior at UCLA and a right-handed center fielder. What's your thought on uh, Mitchell and the Brewers pick there at 20? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've heard rave reviews about the pick. Um, Personally, I liked it. I'm not like a a guy who's very into the draft, but um, from what I've heard, from what I've seen, it seemed like a really strong selection. MLB.com even had him ranked sixth overall on their rankings. Yeah, I almost thought that was – I was looking at the wrong thing when I was scrolling through – MLB's um, draft prospects, seeing him at number six, realizing that Brewers had the 20th pick. Um, it's not often that you nab the sixth best MLB prospect at yeah. the 20th pick. It, it seemed like it was kind of one of those cases where he just didn't really fit in with anybody. Uh, we do see that occasionally where even though a guy might be generally reviewed as somebody who's higher in the draft class, um, as they kind of go through the draft, they just kind of... It wasn't so much that he fell so much, but it was more so that like the team picking teams picking eight, nine, 10, 11, he didn't really fit in with their mold. And so he fell to the brewers. Yeah. Just a classic case of, you know, also needs. I know it's a little different with baseball compared mm-hmm. to NBA yeah. or NFL, but I think that does still play a part. And there's obviously positions that are more preferable than others. Uh, not necessarily that outfield isn't a preferable position, but just given different needs of teams, mm-hmm. it is interesting that he slipped that far um, down, which is very significant, obviously, from the sixth overall pick to the twentieth pick, as far as the the money that comes with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it definitely was an intriguing pick. Surprising that the Brewers were, were able to grab him, and 
do you see the Brewers having to give up more in a signing bonus for him because he fell so much, or do you think at this point he was a 20th pick and he'll get paid 20th pick yeah, money? I don't, I don't think they'll really have to pay him more because he probably won't want to go back uh, into the draft um, for next year. So I, I, I would personally see him getting probably around slot. And, and Mitchell was a center fielder at uh, UCLA. Any um, notable comparisons that, that you've heard of Mitchell or even if not necessarily ones that you've heard, but maybe comparisons that kind of come to mind for you? Yeah, well, I haven't had any specific comparisons that I've heard for him, but just, just based on his skill set, he has uh, terrific speed. So, um, I mean, this isn't, obviously, we're not talking, a, a comp wouldn't be Keon Broxton, but from a speed and, a speed and defense. Do we want a, no, a no. Keon Broxton comp? No, um, we don't would be the answer. <laughs> but from a speed and defense type of uh, perspective, I, I would say he's more so like that. It's interesting with the bat because he's always hit for contact. His freshman year, I believe he hit close to 300, but his slugging was only around 360, 370. Which is obviously not not great, but then he set the the all time UCLA record for triples actually last year. He's got good gap to gap power, but it didn't exactly show up until last season. So uh, it will be interesting to see if his power can translate to pro ball. What kind of power? I think generally he was given like a forty five fifty grade power uh, on his scouting reports. Yeah, and also a little bit of risk too, given a little bit of injury history. He also. Um, has dealt with type 1 diabetes most of his life as well. Mm -hmm. um, so it has. Been, it's an interesting pick. There is some risk involved with that. But definitely what MLB said, what all the really, everybody said about him, he's got the tools. Um, mm -hmm. It's just a question of whether or not they're going to translate. Yeah. So it could be, definitely could end up being a steal for the Brewers. Um, we'll see, obviously, what happens in the next couple of years. Um, but again, Garrett Mitchell, Brewers, first round pick at the 20th pick of this year's draft. And Mitchell was followed up by um, Freddie Zamora from University of Miami um, in Florida as a shortstop with the 53rd pick of the MLB draft. What are your thoughts on Zamora? Yeah, Zamora was interesting because they didn't expect him to be taken that high at 53. Um, I mean, MLB.com has him ranked at 100. Baseball America's around there. And kind of like Mitchell, he's very athletic, very toolsy. But there were definitely some question marks there. He tore his ACL, I believe, two month, two or three months ago. So um, regardless of, of how the season turns out, he won't be playing the rest of the year. They don't think that that'll really um, really affect him down the road. But he, he really, his trademark is his glove. He's got an above average arm, but he's got terrific range. He made a lot of errors, but it was also because he would get to a lot of balls that other guys right. wouldn't. And so, <laughs> Unieski Betancourt for all you. Uh, yeah, opposite. Yeah, <laughs> right. Inverse, right. inverse uni, u, inverse uni b, which is usually a good thing. Yeah, hopefully inverse yeah. on, on base yeah. percentage too. Yeah, yeah. He he started right away as a freshman. He hit about three hundred in his first two years at Miami before not playing at all this year um, due to injury. So the bat is there. The the contact skills, bat to ball skills are are pretty good, even if he lacks a little bit of power. Yeah, definitely um, kind of sounds like a little bit of an Ar Orlando Arcia with the defensive um, first shortstop with a little bit of contact um, ability. Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe more than a little bit of contact. Yeah. He, he's shown good contact ability and um, a little bit above average speed overall. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, definitely when you look at the rankings, does seem like they pulled mm -hmm. a little bit on him. But then again, we just 
finish talking about Garrett Mitchell. Right, and it's also possible because he was suspended for breaking a team rule. I think it was either earlier this year or last year. And there were scouts that kind of called that into question, saying maybe he's not ready for pro ball. Maybe he um, isn't isn't going to be drafted as highly as he should be because of the makeup and the character concerns. But the Brewers, it seems like, did their due, due diligence on that and have squared away anything that might have led to a possible issue there. Yeah, I, that was definitely notable, I think, on his scouting report. And sometimes those can, I mean, those can vary a lot as far as what the team rule was, what he broke. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And sometimes those are just just part of life. Other times they're more of a, of a can play more into who a person is and uh, the kind of person that they are. The, the Brewers followed up Freddie Zamora with their third round pick, Xavier Warren, catcher from Central Michigan. Uh, switch hitting catcher at six foot and 190 pounds. Um, Warren was taken with the 92nd pick of the draft. Um, what are your thoughts on Warren? Warren was a little bit of an interesting pick, not necessarily like a, a huge surprise that they took him, but more so because he really didn't play much of any catcher at Central Michigan. Obviously, Central Michigan's not like a, an SEC school, but um, but it was interesting that they would take him as a catcher. I know that they have a lot of faith in their catching coordinator, Charlie Green. He's um, helped Narvaez so far, I know, since he's come over. He helped Grindal last year defensively, and they're hoping he can do the same. From what I hear, uh, once again, Warren is extremely athletic. And regardless, if he can't stick full-time as a catcher, he could be more of a utility guy, which I did hear the same thing with Zamora. Uh, notice the trend of the Brewers taking up the middle position players. Those are their favorite guys. But but he he's more of an athletic, um, all-around like good contact, good good speed, good speed. Yeah. yeah, good yeah. defense, uh, and and I think the athleticism will play there. Yeah, definitely. The scouting report had his athleticism highlighted, um, and, and definitely most of the scouting report was focused on what position exactly he was going to play. His mm -hmm. high school position was catcher, um, but then made played most of his time um, in the Cape Cod League, where he really built a reputation for himself at third base. Um, but he was also playing a good amount of shortstop. And so there's not much question as far as whether he can stay at short. doesn't sound like there's much of a chance of that happening. Um, but it sounds like catcher could be a possibility if that doesn't work out, potentially looking at second base or maybe even third base um, if he's able to stay at third. But also another, another athletic player, um, like you said, good contact, good power, seems like it's just a good player overall. Um, but like you said, Central Michigan – um, which is not exactly a, a powerhouse, mm -hmm. um, and even to be, <laughs> even to be in the third round is a is yeah. a big deal. Yeah, well, we did we did see one Division three player and two Division two players drafted. I know, which is actually a little bit surprising to me. Yeah, is there are you seeing a more of a shift of that overall, or is that more of that just a one year wonder type of thing? Yeah, I'm not exactly sure. I know I, I'm pretty sure a few years ago. Uh, at least as of a few years ago, that the top drafted D3 player in the last like 20 years or so was third or fourth round. So um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see a shift because of the data that they can collect on right. them. They're not as dependent in, on those those uh, spring seasons that they have. Uh, so I, I would definitely see that as being um, a, a likely explanation for it. Yeah, I think with the spread of you know information being out there and being people being able to be able to have more video uh, scouting and things of that nature. I think that helps 
um, even the playing field among D1, D2, D3, all across high mm-hmm. school, all of those things. It helps spread the information more across all sorts of different avenues, um, which is really good for baseball and, and good for baseball players in general because that's what you want to see is the best players. Yeah, well, we saw Luke Little, who was, uh, I think, a fourth-round pick of the Cubs, and he went viral a, a couple weeks ago because he hit 105 on the pocket radar. He's a, a junior college player, I think from San Jacinto Junior College in Texas, I, be, I believe. I'm not 100% sure on that. And uh, it seems like he was mostly drafted because of that. I, I mean, I don't really know much of anything. Of course, the Cubs wouldn't just draft him because of right. that. Uh, but you, where you might not have seen that, the little-known junior college player, even if he has exceptional velocity, might not have been drafted 20 years ago like, like he would today and might right. not have been able to see some of the, the metrics that they have on those things. Right, right. Yeah, which is, which is all really good things for baseball. And like I said, good for the players. Best players is what you want to see. The best mm-hmm. players get out there. Right. The best players drafted. So the Brewers followed up with their fourth-round pick uh, with the 121st overall pick, selecting Cincinnati outfielder Joey Weimer. And uh, Weimer is an interesting guy, real big, 6'5", 215 pounds. He's got a real big swing, really long swing, a lot of moving parts to it. Um, definitely almost almost for sure not going to be continuing with that swing going yeah. to the major leagues. I'm, I'm trying not. to think of somebody to even compare his yeah. swing to, but um, the best comparison I could probably come up with is Jose Bautista. Maybe. Oh, it's, just, it's a lot louder. It's a lot that. louder. Oh, yeah. absolutely. But still, yeah. big. Bautista had a big leg kick. But uh, Weimer's definitely got a big leg kick, arms moving everywhere. Um, so good power bat. Um, his numbers overall in college don't jump out to you. He's a career 264, 379, 408 slash line at Cincinnati. So his stats don't exactly uh, bounce out. Or mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, but 6'5", big guy, potential for power. There is some upside on that regard. Yeah, and I believe he played center field as well at Cincinnati, which definitely the Brewers like. Now, I don't know if he'll end up staying there. Seems like he probably won't be, although his speed was actually pretty good, and he was pretty good at stealing bases in his time at the University of Cincinnati. I think the big thing that they're buying here is the projection because he does have some swing and miss issues. If, if you watch his swing, it's he's got a lot going on. Yeah, I definitely and, recommend taking a look over at his swing. It's definitely yeah, interesting. Yeah, it, it he definitely needs refinement. But the power is there. It's the power and speed that they're right. buying. The tools are there. Right. And he actually, you didn't even mention his arm, that actually Cincinnati tried to use him as a closer mm-hmm. this past year. Uh, he topped out at 98 on the mound yeah. and uh, wasn't able to do much of anything on the mound just because of control issues. But he, he definitely has an arm, like you mentioned, speed, big power. Has some tools, that's for sure. Yeah, um, and good walk rate too, which obviously right. any power hitter, you like to see that, especially when their averages aren't as high. Yeah, definitely. So a lot of, a lot to like about Weimer, but we'll see what kind of development mm-hmm. that he makes going forward for the Brewers. The Brewers' final selection of the draft in the fifth round was Hayden Contrell um, from University of Louisiana at Lafayette. Which Is that the school, Lucroy? Lucroy, yep. okay. Yep. Yeah, so I believe that's a, a smaller school. I, I don't think yeah, it's, it's the definitely Ragin not a powerhouse. Cajuns. The Raging Cajuns, yeah. yes. So definitely a smaller school yeah. based on that name. But uh, Control is a is a shortstop, um, a smaller guy, 5'11", 175. Um, what are your thoughts on Control and the, the Brewers pick in the fifth round? Yeah, kind of an all-around solid player. He, he doesn't really have a, a tool that jumps out at you, but a solid defender with a chance to stick there um, if, he, if he progresses 
if not could handle a utility role, kind of like we were saying with Freddy Zamora. And the power, more gap-to-gap power, like we've seen from some of the other guys that they drafted. Um, overall, pretty good athleticism. I was, I was reading a scouting report earlier that said he was getting some interest to play football in college, actually. So kind of a one of a, a safer pick, potentially, could could shoot to the majors in more of a utility role. Yeah, they do mention the the, the college football potential as a quarterback. Um, it, it was a little bit concerning, uh, maybe a bit of a reason um, why he fell a little bit. He did hit only 148 in the shortened four-week season that we saw this year, which, take I mean, take it with a grain mm-hmm. of salt, of course. Four weeks, um, not a full season whatsoever. Pretty small sample size, but still not exactly what you want to see from uh, a fifth-round draft pick. Um, he was um, he was selected, obviously, fifth-round, um, 151st pick overall, but um, like I said, he was ranked 118 by MLB.com, so maybe that played a little bit of role into him uh, dropping down his stock, draft stock right before. Mm-hmm. But there is some upside, definitely, with Contral, um, and scouts seem to think that he does have the possibility of, yeah. of staying at shortstop, which is always something to consider. A lot of oh, yeah. players that are drafted at short oftentimes don't yeah. end up sticking there. there. Michael Morse. Yeah. <laughs> or, I mean, even Ryan Braun, yeah. we talked about, who yeah. wasn't even able to stay in the infield. Yeah. So. Anytime somebody's coming into the to the uh, to the minor leagues with scouts thinking that they have the potential for it, it's always good to hear from a mm-hmm. team's perspective. So now we covered the uh, the Brewers five picks. Um, before we get into some of the top MLB picks, just want to briefly touch on on the format of the draft this year. It's obviously a unique situation with everything going on, um, and besides that, obviously the the draft being shortened to to five rounds. What are your thoughts on that? How do you see this impacting future drafts? And mm-hmm. do you like this? I don't like it, to be to be honest. And I think that the owners tried to disguise it as, uh, well, we don't have money to pay a lot of these guys, which to me that's that's bogus because this is usually the most cost efficient way to add talent to your organization, and especially with the way they're structuring it, so they don't have to pay their signing bonuses out right away. They can, they're, they're, I think pretty much all of them are deferring most of the payments. And I think a big reason was the players union negotiated it on behalf of the draftees. Well, the draftees aren't going to be in the players union. So, I mean, as the players union, you kind of have to pick your battles. And this was one of the battles that they decided not to pick, which makes sense if you're the players union, but it ends up hurting some of the guys that might get drafted six, seven, eight, nine rounds. And... Also, it's a way to thin out the minors, which we've seen the trend. Major League Baseball wants to cut down the uh, the minor leagues, which right. is, to me, extremely short-sighted. We'll, we'll go into detail with that in another podcast. But I, I think it's bad for the game of baseball that the draft was cut down. I'm not advocating for a 75-round draft like we used to have. 150 rounds. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they had to have a January and a June draft, and the June was 75 rounds. But... But I, I do think that five rounds is definitely too short. Yeah, there's a lot of talent that's come in later rounds. And also yeah. just filling out your organization. Like you said, Major League Baseball is trying to cut the uh, inefficient minor leagues where they're not making any money. Um, mm-hmm. But it is interesting what kind of effect that's going to have in three years, five years, ten years, twenty years to the game. Um, maybe we'll see more independent leagues starting to bloom. Yeah. Um, maybe maybe it turns out to be a good thing for that and it, it works out, but or maybe it has no impact on the, the talent that gets to mm-hmm. the major leagues. We'll obviously just have to wait and see. Yeah. But um, it is co- potentially concerning 
considering, like you said, only five rounds and some of these players p potentially getting less of an opportunity to play at the next level as well. Mm -hmm. So let's get into the top 10 picks of the draft overall. The Tigers with the number one pick, taking Spencer Torkelson. Um, don't think there was too much question no. necessarily on who was going number one here. The big surprise was that they actually announced him as a third baseman instead of a first baseman. He, he didn't really play any third base at Arizona State, but they actually want to try him at third, see if he can stick there. But regardless, the bat will play at first, too. Yeah, for those uh, people that aren't familiar, can you just uh, briefly clarify about what team selecting what position or what yeah usually the, the position that you get drafted at means uh the position that they're going to start you at um when you get to pro ball so even though he did play a lot of first base we were saying with xavier warren earlier he was drafted as a catcher um even though he played short so that means that the brewers are going to usually try to try to stick him at uh behind the plate if they can and is that something that players have any Saying what? Not really. I mean, occasionally, I, I was reading a story a few weeks ago. Uh, a Brewers area scout um, asked Troy Tulowitzki when he was eligible for the draft if he'd be willing to move over to third. And Tulo said no. He said, I'm not playing third. I'm the best college shortstop in the country. If you're drafting me, I'm playing short. And the, the Brewers went with Braun instead of Tulowitzki. Now, it might not have been. It was not, not like they would have necessarily right. drafted Tulo for sure, but... But that, that was something that came up. And you also, when you have leverage at the top of the draft, you can do that. If you're Joe Rando getting drafted in the 28th round, you're probably not going right. to have leverage. And you're not going to really do that and risk ruining your Yeah, your you'll chances. take your $6 signing bonus and yeah. take, it to, the, take yeah. it to the show yeah. and happily play left bench if it yeah. means you get drafted. <laughs> yeah. So, no, that is interesting. I don't know that – is that the case in other sports? Yeah. I honestly don't know. Yeah, I don't. I feel like it's not. I don't know. It seems like that'd be something that would be kind of more unique to baseball. I don't know NBA, especially nowadays with the positionless basketball. Yeah, right. yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. Let us know if you know that answer to that. We're not even sure on that one. But Torkelson going number one to the Tigers. Anything else you want to add about Torkelson? I know he's obviously the most talked about player. Yeah, I heard. I heard a scout say he's quite possibly the most major league ready player that we've seen in any draft in any year over the past, you know, recent years, 20, 20, 25 years, which uh, would say a lot. I don't think the Tigers are necessarily in a rush to get him to the big leagues. But right. It's it, a bold it, statement for sure. Right. But um, it does it does help. I mean, it, if the more polished a player is, the better generally. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, the Tigers aren't going to be competing in the next couple of years, mm -hmm. but it sure doesn't hurt for a player to get there, obviously, yeah. if they're ready, um, as soon as they're ready. Mm -hmm. um, so either way, the Tigers have time for him to develop if it means waiting a couple of years. Um, but if we're talking a year or two and he's already up, obviously that would be great if you're the Tigers looking mm -hmm. at their situation. And the Orioles went with a little bit of a stretch. We were, again, this has kind of been a theme of the episode, talking about the uh, the reaches a little bit. Uh, the Orioles taking Heston Kerstad with the number two pick, um, MLB.com's 10th best prospect from Arkansas, um, an outfielder. Um, definitely surprised some people taking Kerstad number two. Uh, what are your thoughts on this? I mean, I to be honest, I didn't like the pick. Obviously, I tr trust uh, the Orioles' management more than I would trust myself to make the scouting decisions. But I, I really am not a fan of his swing. He's got a lot going on there. Maybe not quite as much as Weimer, like we were talking earlier. But this is the number two pick that we're talking about. He has some swing and miss issues at times. He he did produce at Arkansas, so that obviously that's a big thing. But at the same time, I felt like... Now, the Orioles were probably trying to go 
uh, below slot a little bit with him. But I felt like they missed an opportunity to get a uh, guy like Austin Martin, Asa Lacey, like uh, like the guys that were drafted soon after Kerstad. Yeah, I, I totally agree with what you're saying. When you take a look at Kerstad, I'd recommend to quick videoing, uh, sorry, Googling, uh, video, videoing on the YouTubes, uh, yeah. uh, Heston, Kerstad, um, his swing. Yeah, it definitely draws some comparisons to Weimer like we were talking about earlier. It's a little bit less dramatic. Um, from a leg kick perspective, mm -hmm. but his hands still are moving a lot. Yeah. There's um, a full kind of circle that his hands are doing preload, um, which really, frankly, is surprising that he was able to maintain that playing at Arkansas, but not something that I see him being able to do at the major league level. Mm -hmm. and, and there is some um, concern about the strikeouts, um, and I'm sure that's well connected with our... Uh, uh, a big reason of, for that would be the complication of his swing. Oh, yeah. And they, they even, it was mentioned in some of the scouting reports that his timing is exceptional, but obviously it gets harder to time pitchers when they're better. And so right. um, Good luck it's, it's a question mark. I mean, right. it's, it's a question mark. Right. There. Good luck timing Garrett Cole mm -hmm. on the hill. Exactly. Yeah, yeah definitely. It, it is interesting to the strategy of um, drafting below slot. I know the Twins did it. Was that now a couple years ago? I'm, I'm yeah, forgetting. with Royce Lewis. Royce in Lewis. 2017. I want to say Royce Clayton. <laughs> Royce Clayton. No. Royce Lewis. That's right. Yeah. Royce Lewis. I remember yeah. number one overall, right? Yeah, and the yeah. Red Sox did it this year. Yeah, they drafted Nick Yorkie, second baseman. That I think he, I, most guys projected him for a third, fourth, fifth round pick. Wow. And he went 14th overall, and then they ended up taking Blaze Jordan in the third round. So that that was a big surprise for sure. Also. Yeah. No, it is an interesting technique. Uh, or strategy, whatever you want to call it. Um, I don't know necessarily that we've seen enough of the sample size to really determine mm -hmm. what kind of payoff it it, yeah. it has. But it is definitely a little bit surprising when you think about the money involved. And with these teams like the Red Sox, who have a few dollars mm -hmm. in their bank account, um, trying to save a couple million, which is still a couple million right. dollars. I mean, they usually are, are trying to max out the allotted amount for the slot the slot um, value that they can spend. So for a little bit of background context on that, each, each team has a certain pool that they can spend uh, on their draft picks. And so each pick has a certain value. So like the first overall pick is worth 8.42 million. Uh, I'm not exactly sure how those are determined, but then the pool has added up the the each pick so um so then that's the amount of money right. you can spend i think it can go about 10 percent over with with like a you know like a tax penalty yeah beyond that then you lose a pick and so that's, so that's usually what scares teams away is right that much over so effectively they try to save a little bit money up front so they can spend a little bit more right on the back end yeah got it got yeah it. so not necessarily a cost saving measure but more so spending more on the back end and putting their money more on mm -hmm. the back end guys yeah. and then spending big on a one big name type of player so definitely an interesting strategy over there not the Red Sox are not the first team to do it um, but it's definitely not something common or something that we've seen a lot and one of the guys you mentioned the Orioles could have taken with the number two pick Max Meyer right-handed pitcher from Minnesota who the Miami Marlins or as a uh, Robert Robert Rob Manfred like say Miami Marlins uh, selected Max Meyer with the third pick um, what are your thoughts on the right-hander from Minnesota He's got an electric arm, topped out about 100 in college. Um, not, not a big body, but uh, excellent slider. Sits about 92, 93 with the slider. But it seems like he has more of a reliever profile. He could start. His changeup's still developing. His, his command isn't great. But um, I, 
See, I'm I, I'm not a big fan of the guys who have big velocity. Uh, call me a, a traditionalist, but but to me, it's more impressive to see guys get outs uh, that don't necessarily need velocity to get outs, and I think that that usually can play at the at the major league level a little bit better. I'm not saying velocity is bad, and I'm I'm not saying they shouldn't have taken Max Meyer. Someone shouldn't have taken him in the first round, but I, I do think that. Oh, that Meyer's a little bit of a reach also. I think he also projects, like you said, like everything about him projects to be maybe a wipeout reliever, but mm-hmm. nonetheless, he seems to project to be a reliever. You don't see a lot of starting pitchers. I mean, sure, there are a couple who have a slider at 90, mm-hmm. 92, but it's definitely not common. And with his velocity, um, there could be some concern too of mm-hmm. repeated, obviously, with the rise of how much how common Tommy John can be potentially uh, him being a starter. Yeah, and interestingly enough, it was only a few years ago that the uh, not Tigers, the Marlins took Tyler Kolek in the first couple picks of the draft. Big, he was a big guy, but big velocity, good secondary offering, not much else, and he has not lived up to expectations. So, it's kind of interesting to see them go after someone that was so similar to that. Yeah, definitely. Usually you would think they would almost go the exact opposite way to try right. to avoid that. Yeah. But yeah, like you said, I, I I'm also a little bit worried with six foot one eighty five, not exactly a big guy. Um, he's already throwing ninety eight or hitting a hundred at at six foot one eighty five. I don't know what else, what what more he can do really. So it'll be interesting. Another high velocity guy going early in the draft. The Royals followed up with the fourth pick, taking Asa Lacy from Texas A and M. And uh, Lacy's a left handed pitcher. Um, Bigger guy, 6'4", but only 215 pounds, um, and had a good uh, couple of years at Texas A&M. What are mm-hmm. your thoughts on him? Yeah, hard-throwing lefty, which we don't come by that often. Um, very, very polished overall from his time at Texas A&M. And it's interesting to see the Royals stockpiling talent in their organization. They have Daniel Lynch, who's uh, one of the top left-handed pitching prospects. They have Brady Singer. They have Jackson Coar. Chris Bubich, um, all all guys who we could see making an impact at the major league level, and adding Asa Lacy to that arm, probably the best of them, is uh, is a big big jump for their organization. I think. Yeah, Royals definitely in full rebuild mode, um, and and Lacy is definitely a good guy to add. Like you said, hard throwing lefty. We don't see a lot of those, um, but a college well developed college arm at uh, the number four pick definitely doesn't seem like a too bad of a pick for the Royals. Um, with the number five pick, the Blue Jays selected Austin Martin. You mentioned Martin previously as somebody that you liked um, over uh, Kerstad. What are your thoughts on Martin? What do you like about Martin? Martin was ranked actually by Keith Law as the number one prospect of the class. I think most expected him to go second overall to the Orioles. Very athletic, could play uh, anywhere up the middle, um, as in second, short, center. Could play third too, but very good contact skills. Produced well in the SEC and uh, in his time at Vanderbilt. I think overall he's a pretty safe pick, but he also has a pretty high ceiling. Yeah, definitely. I, I know that all of the scouts were talking about um, just the best pure hitter of the draft with um, Torkelson having more power and Kerstad having more power, but but Martin just being a pure hitter and somebody that has also produced at a high level um, in college playing in the SEC. He has produced at really the highest level pre-professional, so um, not as much concern there. Like you said, he does seem like a little bit of a safer pick, um, played at numerous different positions, 
as well um, with his time in college at Vanderbilt. So um, there's a lot to like definitely there at number five. I think the the Blue Jays got a really good guy at number five, um, like you said, mm-hmm. compared to some yeah. of those other guys. And, and just after, I think the Blue Jays got a nice pick over there um, at number five. Uh, any any other notable draft picks um, that that you thought stuck out, whether yeah, good or bad, or I'll just kind of zoom through a yeah. couple of the next picks. Uh, I thought Emerson Hancock was a great pick by the Mariners. Uh, I liked him definitely more than Max Meyer, at, who was taken at number three. Hancock went sixth to the Mariners. Uh, he's got some projectability, being a six foot four right hander, tops out about a hundred also, but has better secondary offerings. And uh, personally, I, I liked Hancock a lot, and I thought that was a good get for the Mariners. Nick Gonzalez n- went number seven to the Pirates. I like his swing a lot. Kind of reminds me of Keston Hira, who uh, is with the Brewers, obviously. But not, not a great defender at, at second base. Um, played short at New Mexico, uh, New Mexico State, but, um, but ultimately will end up at second. Great bat, though. Yeah, interesting that Pirates marked him down as a drafted as a shortstop when it, everyone yeah. seems to know that he won't be there for a Yeah, long. they'll usually try him at short, though. Right. Yeah. Throw a few grounders over there. and <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And Zach Veen at number nine I thought was a great get by the Rockies. Top high school bat, in my opinion, even though Hassel was taken over him. Um, he he has, He's very ambitious, uh, saying he wanted to be um, better than Yelich and Bellinger. Uh, not so much cocky, but very confident in himself. And uh, I think he has a really good chance to become a superstar. And then Reed Detmers at number 10 went to the Angels, which was not a big surprise, but he's a very polished left-hander coming out of Louisville. He actually could make his debut this year if we do have a season. Um, so he's, he's that polished uh, where we could realistically see that happening. And I thought that was a, a, a good pick by the Angels, especially a team that's in need of of more major league ready pitching prospects. I, right. I thought that was right. Their windows kind of yeah. now. So it wouldn't be a yeah. bad idea to get somebody that can make an impact either this year or more than likely next mm-hmm. year. going yeah. forward. Yeah. And then one guy that I, I liked that was uh, a non brewers pick that was post first round was a guy by the name of Logan Allen, who was drafted by the Indians in the second round. He was a lefty drafted out of Florida Atlantic. Uh, my kind of guy, he sits at only at about 89, 90 with his fastball, but locates really well. Um, three plus pitches, uh, good command, and I think I think it's a, a safer pick, especially for a second rounder. Um, pretty good likelihood of becoming a, a solid mid rotation starter. Those, I mean, those are the kind of guys that I like. The guys that'll get the job done, eat up innings, and I thought that that was a good value pick uh, by the Indians. I was hoping the Brewers would uh, nab him in the second round, which they uh, clearly didn't do. Yeah, so definitely a lot happened. Uh, just good to have a little bit of baseball news, even being uh, not as exciting, of course, as games. Definitely good to have some baseball news, good to be tracking baseball again, and uh, enjoyed doing this. Before we wrap up today, we will have one more segment called Baseball's Best, and we will have Peter here to explain it for us. Baseball's Best is going to be a short segment on anything baseball related to best player, best moment, game, any sorts of those things. So today's question is, what is the best baseball book? So David, what's the best best, best baseball book? Yeah, I think uh, widely considered the best baseball book would be Moneyball. It's kind of a boring answer. Um, kind of a cliche. Yeah, the cliche. Uh, it has to be the most influential, though. Uh, one book that I recently read, I just finished it, it's called Doc. It's a, a, a biography of Roy Halladay. Uh, that was a, an exceptional book by Todd Zalecki. 
And then one that I'm really excited to read um, coming up soon is called Future Value with uh, Eric Longenhagen and Kylie McDaniel talking about kind of behind the behind the, the scenes of the world of scouting. Yeah, that's definitely interesting given the scouting's you know mix between new yeah. baseball, new data, all that sort of thing. Um, should be definitely an interesting book. You mentioned Moneyball, written by uh, Michael Lewis. Actually, I was listening to uh, the Tim Ferriss podcast not too long ago. He interviewed Michael Lewis on his podcast. So for those that are fans of Moneyball, um, de- definitely doesn't spend all of his time on Moneyball, but he does bring it up a couple times. Obviously, it's one of the more significant books that he's written in his prolific writing career, but I do recommend uh, checking out Michael Lewis's interview on the Tim Ferriss podcast um, if you're interested in Lewis's works and learning more about his books. Um, but yeah, definitely Moneyball obviously is kind of the go-to if you haven't read it. Definitely recommend doing so. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast. We'd appreciate if you subscribe, rate, and review our podcast. Make sure to check out our blog at bleedingblueandyellow.wordpress.com and connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at Brewers Podcast.